is that this is Mary's background. This is God's starting point. This is the beginning of a new covenant, a new era. It's the beginning of God's last work in this world. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the end, and it starts in Nazareth of Galilee with a poor 12-year-old girl. Do you not see the implication? This is Mary's background. This is her true worth and contribution to the Christian faith. And it's in this negative context of Nazareth of Galilee that Mary was pure in heart. She was not contaminated by the culture. Mary was poor. Financially, culturally, she was poor. But she was rich in faith. And she was filled with the promises of God. She was a simple woman from low circumstances and tough surroundings who chose not to feel sorry for herself, who chose not to follow the culture, but chose to follow God of the Old Testament. She was spiritually rich. Remember, Mary might have been 14, 15, the oldest, but most likely was more in the 12 or 13 year, 14 year old, when the angel came to her. She was spiritually rich, and she was misunderstood by many. Many believers today are still misunderstood, especially young believers. Her heart was set on God. And her hopes, even at a young age, were in the promises of God. There was something alive in Mary that nobody could have saw because she was a young little girl. Long before the angel came to her, she had something in her that was alive. And what was alive in Mary was her simple, childlike faith in the promises of God in the Old Testament. Wake up! God's talking to this church. Wake up! Don't leave this building thinking God did not speak to you today. We live in a culture that hates God. And you better listen to Mary's testimony. The promises of God were alive. Sometimes we teach children as though, you know, they'll grow up at 30. Understand something. American parents, I'm speaking to your hearts right now. Children grow up early. Don't let the culture speak to them. It's our job to train children, not the culture. It's our job. Something was alive in Mary. It was the promises of God because Mary's parents taught her the promises of God. And see, they told her, don't go the way of the culture. Don't give yourself up to that. It's a mean street out there. Go to the synagogue. Read your Bible. Stay close to God. She was a young virgin, just dreaming about her new life to come with a man named Joseph. She was keeping herself pure from the surrounding influences of the culture, the sinful, molested, perverted, sexually orientated culture she lived in. 
And the reason she could do it because she came from a pious home and she was filled with the promises of God. How does a young man keep his way pure, the psalmist asks? By filling with every word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9. She was by no means a simple-minded, naive, little 12 or 13. On the contrary, she had a profound mind. She was a deep thinker. And she was a young woman of courage. Let me say it again. We teach children as though they can't learn theological truth. We teach kids like everything's beyond them. If God's not in the equation, it is. But with God, all things are. She was a profound thinker. She was a deep thinker. She had a strong mind and she was a woman of courage. And I'll tell you why. When Mary said, let it be done according to thy word, she was fully aware of the implications morally and theologically. (coughs) Morally, she understood the suspicion and the shame she would endure. (coughs) And Joseph said, oh yeah, an angel came to you. Listen, an angel came to Mary. And now she has a little baby bump because she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. you got to be kidding me. You live in Nazareth from Galilee. You think we're going to believe that? You had sex, Mary. Let your children learn proper sexual understanding from the pulpit and from the parents. Because if they don't, they learn it from school and the culture. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. The devil roams around. Give the little ones to me. I'll teach you what sex is. It's our job. Parents got to roll up their sleeves, find out what the word of God says about it, and go to work and cry and burden and pray and teach their children. It is our job. My job is to teach the parents. The parents' job is to teach the children. She knew Joseph wanted a divorce. God took care of Joseph. Mary didn't have to. Because she trusted in the Lord and did according to his word. She trusted Joseph with God. Mary never wants to see in scriptures trying to talk Joseph into something. She trusted God. Understand something. When you're doing something for God, there are times you have to trust that God will take care of other things. Are you with me? I can see the family. So come on, Mary. He's trying to tell me an angel really came to you, spoke to you. The angel Gabriel, and now you pray. Sure. She was bold to say, let it be done. She knew the obscurity that was going to come. She knew the shame that was going to come. But for God's sake, she bore the shame. Like Jesus bore the shame outside the city. When he died for us. And by the way, Christ was absolutely purely naked when they beat him to death and hung him on a tree. Don't forget. But theologically, when Elizabeth said, Oh, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She was speaking about the things the angel said about Jesus. The ongoing work of redemption. She wasn't like, oh, oh, everybody's going to call me 
son would be great. That our son would be the son of the Most High. That our son would sit on the throne of David. That our son would reign forever. And that the kingdom he brings in will never end. That's what she believes. Do you believe that? Are you holding on tight to Christ? Are you worried about your little life? Do you know that there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken and it will never end? And he who's on top of it will make sure it comes to pass? Or are you so worried about every little detail of your life? There's no surprise that she already believed the angel. She already believed in the promises of God that were in the Bible. She was no newcomer, but she stood in a long line of genuous, pure, but pious believers in the Word of God. There's something about the poor. They know how to hold on to God. When you have nothing, God's everything. But when your life is filled with all the comforts and luxuries of life, be careful. You might not be blessed. You might be more cursed if you're not careful. Let me say it again. For all those who want to make it big in the world, be careful. Big can get you to stop thinking about and depending on God. And the family will suffer. You can have both. You can have everything the world offers and have God on top of it. If God stays first. She was no newcomer. She stood in a long line of believers. The Messiah was coming with all his promises was more important to her than being the mother. In her song of praise, in her, it had all the components of personal praise for God's great grace to her, but it also had for Israel and the whole world. The whole Abrahamic blessing. This girl had the breath of mine at 12 or 13 years old to go all the way back into Genesis 15, into Genesis 17, into Genesis 21, and remember the promises made to Abraham. And she was that virgin that Isaiah spoke about. Unto you a son will be given. She knew it. Let me tell you something, church. Don't be biblically ignorant. Please don't. Everyone in this room should devote time every day to the Word of God. There's not one person in this room who can stand up and tell me or tell God, I'm too busy to read the Bible. Not one person here. I met a guy who used to read the Bible five times a year. He was blind. He listened to it. And he could quote it. He could sing it. And he loved his God for it. And we sit around like Bible stuff. Gotta go to Bible stuff. Gotta read my Bible. And then they want to know where's God? He's in the Bible. He's in the Bible. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Pick up the word of God and saturate the rest of your the mind for the rest of your life. I love you too much to let that go by. I love you like a parent. I'm going to ask you this. You want God's best? 
You want God's best? It's found in 66 books. The best-selling book of the last 2,000 years is the Bible. Read it. Three times in Scripture, I should say three times, we see that Scripture attributes to this young girl a reflective mind. In 129, she pondered the truth. In 219, she cherished the truth. In 251, she kept the truth. Collectively, they show a young woman astute in listening for the greater implications of what was said. Are you listening to a sermon or are you just coming to church? Are you listening to the sermon? She listened to the rabbi every time they opened up the scriptures in synagogue. She listened. In the synagogue, they would read the same text in every synagogue throughout the old world. Same text. The synagogue, they would go through the whole Old Testament in three years. Do the math. She was probably 12 or 13. From just a child that she heard the whole scripture two, maybe three times. She knew it. Because she listened. She pondered. She cherished what she heard. And she kept it and protected it. And treasuring these things, these truths in her heart, they shaped her life. Don't you understand that, church? They shaped her little life. God was on the move for all humanity. Mary was part of it. She knew it. In Mary's song of praise, we see her self-evaluation. She saw that she was a recipient of great grace. She knew she was in a humble estate. Though she rejoiced and magnified the Lord in soul and spirit and knew she would be called blessed amongst women from generation to generation and that the mighty one had done great things for her, yet she never lost sight that it's all for God's honor and not her own. Mary wasn't about herself. I don't know why the Catholic Church has made her something beyond recognition. If she knew what was going on in Roman Catholic dogma, she'd be aghast of what was being said. Praise God she doesn't. Praise God she doesn't. In verses 50 to 55, Mary's mind and heart now turns to the greater implications God blesses all in some way. All those who fear him as she did in their own context of life and give the amen to his word. God saw that Mary, even though she lived in Lazarus of Galilee, culturally insignificant, of low morals, and nothing really good comes out of it, there were people there that feared her, feared God. And God knows every 
child, every parent, every human being that makes the hard choices for God and lives according to his promises and lives according to his words and fears his in obedience, God sees it all and you can rest assured he will visit their little hearts. She knows, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She sees God's consistency throughout Israel's history. Mary is none less than a biblical theologian. All those Bible stories reveal God's grace one small step at a time. And now it's her turn. How would you like to be there 2,000 years? How would you like to be a fly on the wall when the angel of God came to Mary? How would you like to be there? Guess what? You're there right now. And you're not doing nothing now. You wouldn't have done nothing then. Don't kid yourself. If you're not listening to the word of God now, you wouldn't listen to it at the shores of Galilee when Jesus preached it. Oh, if I was only saw the miracles. If I was only there. I wouldn't be like this. <laughs> Read the Bible. God is in the Bible. The power of God is in the scripture. She is rejoining, or she's rejoicing in his ways. 51 says this, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the pride in the thoughts of the heart. She's 12 years old. Listen to this. Who, what 12 year old, the 13 year old girl can say this? And he has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And she recognized that he was opposed to the prideful. Though the prideful just don't see it yet. This young girl could school many parents in this room. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. The arrogant, prideful, don't need God, cannot know God in this world or the next. They don't know God in the mind. They don't know God in the heart. They don't know God in the gospel. But one day they'll see him and it will be awful. 52 says, and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those in humble estate. What preachers like Charles Spurgeon preaching here? And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The mighty are the are in, the mighty are impotent in this life and the next. They're self-deceived, and this young girl knew it. And that is the humble. Those who are dependent on God, they're exalted. Here in this life, by being part of God's work, Mary knew she was rich. She was called into the ministry of God. You know why a lot of Christians don't feel rich in Christ? You're not doing nothing for them. I'm speaking to the church. <clears throat> they don't talk about Christ. They don't witness for Christ. They don't speak about him. They don't pray to him. They don't read about him. They don't sing about him. 
what a young girl. Now. She was dependent on God like all the humble are. And exalted here in this life by being part of God's work in this world. And she knew that God has filled the poor with good things. Oh, let me preach. Tell me, Pastor, preach. Pastor, preach. Tell me. Preach. You feeling sorry for yourself? <coughs> Do you know you're more than a conqueror in the eyes of God? Do you want to know what you are in your own eyes? Go right ahead, but I'll tell you what you are in the eyes of God. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things in Christ who, who strengthens you. Nothing, nobody can erase you out of God's book. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's taken away every sin, never to look at it again. Are you not rich? Are you not filled yet? Or you're waiting for something? You want the bonus. So you can get the new something. And you can say, look what God has done for me. Find out what God has already done for you. And you will never ask God for another thing. You'll be so inundated with the mercy of God. God loves humility. God loves those who depend on him and do his will. And in the end, those who are rich will themselves at the, who have the world's good and this culture and become self-dependent, not God-dependent. Guess what? They're going to go away hungry. You know what it means? It means eternal hell. That's it. You know, don't get too envious of the prideful. Don't get too envious of the wealthy. No one knows what tomorrow brings. We live in a world filled with uncertainty, a future that nobody can predict. As a matter of fact, you really can't even predict who's going to be here next week. Did you hear? Hear what? You didn't hear? <laughs> Pastor Brian passed away in the night. It's the way it happens. You're looking at a rich man. And I don't care about that. Don't ever feel sorry for me. Don't ever feel sorry for my wife. Jesus said it, not me. Don't weep for me, daughters of Jerusalem. Weep for yourself. For the trials and tribulations that are going to come upon you. When you know biblical truth, you walk like a victorious conqueror in the world. And you're not worried about what people think about you. And you're not worried about what people can take away from you. You don't care about the world's good because you've got heaven's good. His name is Jesus Christ. He's our reward. If you're looking for more than that, you'll find the wrong religion. Matter of fact, you can excuse yourself. If you're looking for more than Jesus Christ, if you're looking for more than God to sustain you, understand something. You signed up in the wrong place. God promises Himself to us. Get off Joel Osteen, get off all, turn the TV off, don't listen to one of them. Listen to what she closes with. And she closes with Israel's faithful God who remembers his promises of old age of old regarding his people 
and that God is always and ever faithful to his covenant promises. This is a young girl. Is there a girl here 12? Is there a girl 11? Is there someone here 14? She's holding God to the promises. Listen. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. You know something? Preachers should understand that. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. You know what Mary's saying? I'll paraphrase. God will never lie to us. God promises, his promises are yea and amen for all those who are in Christ. God cannot lie. God can only fulfill the promises. You know, if the congregation believed this, my job would be so much easier. Believe God's word. Believe God's word. This is a Mary I can relate to. This is a Mary I can admire. This is a Mary that I can learn from. She teaches me. This Mary encourages me. She touches my heart. She fills my mind. She encourages me forward. She reminds me, stay faithful, Brian. Don't give up. Don't take your hands off the plow. God's faithful to the promises. Preach the gospel and they'll get saved. She gets to look to God's faithfulness. His word. His promises. She gives me a living hope in this dark culture. In the Nazareth. In the Galilee you and me live in. Inundated by sexual images. Inundated by unfaithfulness. Inundated, inundated by anything but God. We live in a culture and a school system. And your children are going to school. They will absolutely destroy our thing. This is inspiration at its best. The Mary of Roman Catholicism does nothing for me. So unfortunate. So unfortunate. But then again, idolatry always is. Idolatry has a cruel end. Mary's beauty, her elegance and power aren't found up there in the stratosphere as queen of heaven. But down here on earth in the pages of the Bible, as the humble maidservant, every ready to do God's will. Let's pray for our families. They're caught up in idolatry. We do some applications and I'll move on. She believed, even though she was socially, culturally, and financially insignificant, she believed. You know what that made her? Rich. Too many times we're trying to fix people's things instead of trying to fill our heart with the promises of God. Daddy, I want these sneakers, I want this, I want that, I want that. All right. How about giving some promises of God this year? Pedigree has nothing to do with pleasing God. Faith does. And God shows no partiality, whether 82, 62, 52, or 12. 
second application. You and I are not going to carry the Son of God in our wombs, but we do carry His message in our hearts. Listen to the Apostle Paul. But we have this treasure of, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not ourselves. The treasure is the gospel. The jars of clay, you and me. But you know why people get saved? Not how eloquent we are. Not how powerful we are. But the message of Jesus. And God gets all the glory. We like to... We, like Mary, need an honest evaluation of ourselves in this world. And to recognize and enjoy our place that God has assigned for us. More is not always better, but humility is always in in God's economy. You with me? There's not a person in this room that's poor. Even if you're not a Christian, you're not poor. But if you're a Christian, you're rich. You're rich. You're rich with the kingdom of God. Jesus said, why are you fearful? Little children, it's God's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. I had a friend that led to the Lord many years ago. I had a fiance, I led her to the Lord, we led her. I married them, baptized them, confirmed their children, stopped coming to church. I reached out, I said, What's going on, man? He goes, I gotta be honest, I get nothing out of your service. And I looked at him straight in the eye because I said, you bring nothing to service. That's why. It has nothing to do with Sonship Ministries. You got nothing to give. You're a taker. His face dropped. I said, you want to come in and have a 13-piece band? You want someone to take your kids and usher them into the child's thing? You want this? And all you want to do is sit down and do nothing. You never asked me once, Pastor, can I do anything? There's a man of means, a lot of means. Nothing. Where's the cappuccino? Where's, where's the cannolis? <laughs> where, where, what's going on? Where's the umbrella when I'm getting out of the car? It's raining. You know, it's like I get nothing out of the service because you got nothing in your heart. That's why. <laughs> Told me you came to the wrong place. Jesus. When you want Jesus, come see me. Amen. We'll meet your needs. Amen. I got a whole bunch of them here, but I got to close with this. Hold on tight. Hold on to your children. You ready? Children, hold on to your parents. Parents, hold on to your children. And we, like Mary, need to bear the shame and shun by others who hold us in suspicion. You got to remember, Mary's told you, Mary, an angel told you. Come on. She had to carry us all her life. All her life, she was counted as an adulteress. For believing what the Bible says. You know what it's like today? 2,000 years ago, she was shunned because she might have had sexual relations. Today, you're shunned if you don't. If your children are 12 and 13 and 14 and they're still virgins, guess what? Is there something wrong with you? They think you're crazy. Talk about virginity. Talk about abstinence. Talk about virtue. And the world thinks you're crazy. And the parents are like, oh, oh. Parents got to wake up.
teach their children virginity, virtue, abstinence is the way of God. And God will be there to back up you and back up your words and back up your children. Because if you don't, the cult is there waiting. The culture's there waiting. Send us the children. You know what it sounds like? I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Genesis 19. When the young men, the angels who were pure, came to that Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were banging down the door of Lot's house. Give us the young men that we can have relations with them. How about this one? You ready? You sure you can take this one? You're telling me you're not having sex until you get married? Are you you out of your mind? You're keeping yourself pure when you're going to a church that believes, are you born again? That's the world we live in. What a twisted world. What a twisted, twisted world we live in. They don't even understand the sacredness of sex. Oh yeah, you're keeping yourself. Give me a break. All of a sudden you stop having sex for God. Who's heard things like that before? What am I supposed to do? I mean, that's, that's all I have. Listen, this the, I tell parents, I love this. Parents love and hate me. Uh, listen, look, parents love and hate me. I give this to the straight in the, in the street, on the golf course, in the gym. You're spending all this time protecting your children. The culture's coming right through the doors and ruining them. Yep. Right into the door, right in the airways, right on the they're, they're ruining you. They're undermining all your parenting. It's undermining all your parenting. It's undermining all godly parenting. You want me to stop? Can you bear to hear it? I'll stay. I love you guys. I love every child in this room. I'll look you right in the eye. Right in the eye, I'll look you. Everyone is. Because I love you. And there's something much better for us than what's out there and out there. Amen. Let God speak to your hearts. Take God serious. And you'll be blessed the rest of your life. Let me close with this. Brings me to tears. You don't hear this in the school system. When's the last time the school system, and I'll give you one statistic. One. I want every child to hear me. One statistic. I'll give you one. I won't bear the burden of all the others. By the time a child gets out of high school, one out of every four sexually active child will have a sexually transmitted disease. One out of four. That's 400 out of 1,000. 4,000 out of 10,000. 4,000 out of 100,000. That's a million out of 10 million. 
I can give you a list of others, but I will not burden you with them. Enough has been said. Where's the school speaking about that? Why isn't that on the news? Why aren't politicians telling their congregants that's what's taking place? It's the church's job. We don't get our virtue or morality from the school system, but unfortunately today we got to fight the school system. we got to fight politics. Parents, it's time to roll up your sleeves, get your butt in the Christian church, get a Bible in your hand, and let God change our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, only you. God, this does not scare me. The Nazareth I live in does not scare me. America does not scare me. Secularism does not scare me. The school system does not scare me. Because with God, all things are possible. Father God, I pray for this congregation, every parent, every child in this room, that they will come to know the sweetness of Mary's heart. Let it be done to me according to thy word. God, raise up this ministry and fill us, Father God, with the power of the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray.